0: With Metropolis recovering from Brainiac's attack and Superman still reeling from his time travel escapades, we tried to get a hold of him for some sit-down conversations. But as we spoke, his attention shifted above us to a plane that trailed a banner, advertising something called New Krypton. As the Man of Steel took flight, we hurried to buy tickets for ourselves to see this transplanted planet come to life. Hi, my name is John, and I'm Matthew, and we are the DC Detectives. It is our job to go back through the annals of DC Comics history and chronicle the evolution of all your favorite heroes from start to every reversible meow. Yeah, we got a little, we got a cat buddy with us this time. We're we're trying out different locations to record in just to see kind of what's more comfortable, what works well for us. Um, this is the downstairs in the new the the, the new office, and uh, I, I it's more comfortable. I mean, we're on a nice sofa. We're, so. we're on a nicer couch. Um, because we were in separate chairs last time.
1: That's true. This is the first time that we're actually kind of like both facing the mic. Uh, mic in a yeah. while.
0: And we're thinking about upgrading our, our, uh, our tech to make a better experience for the listener and also give a better quality audio. Shannon's here. Hello. Shannon's over in this, on the side over there. And, uh, it's the first time the three detectives have been together in a long time. You can hear our our heating unit, yeah, uh, clicking away as it's trying to cool off or warm up. I can't tell which.
1: Probably more than a year, right?
0: Yeah, a little bit more than a year. Don't worry, we're getting to Wonder Woman soon, so Shannon can come back and give a woman's perspective on that. If she ever wants to come back for the podcast in general, she always has an open invitation, because we love having her perspective. But speaking of crazy weird stuff, it's more Superman It's fewer issues than we had last time because we're not moving through as many pages. It's only about two to three months. And we're missing a couple Superman issues. Like previously in the last episode, every time we'd have a Superman issue, we would have an Action Comics issue. Now we've got Action Comics, Action Comics, Superman, Action Comics, Action Comics. So it's a little strange to see that. Not sure why that happened. Don't know why they stopped publishing for a couple months. Don't know. But, suffice it to say, we're just going to jump right in. Joanne is uh, eyeing Shannon to make sure that she has some backup if we go off topic. But, we're going to start right now with Action Comics number 244, September 1958. Uh, Superman, quote-unquote, helps two aliens who crash land in our ocean. Um, seemingly, you know, stranded on this new world that they can't live above the surface because they're fish people, I guess, mer people. Um, no, no Atlantean ever looks like any of these two aliens. Um, True. So it's just, it's a weird sort of uh, off-earth fish person. And Superman helps them get settled to kind of gain their trust to figure out what exactly they're here to do. And it turns out they're trying to drown the world so that their invasion force can come and then take over the planet. And he, of course, tricks them with science uh, in a very... Uh, New Age War of the worlds or signs kind of a way he just over salin like uses over salinity in the water to poison them to
1: make them leave.
0: It's the Dead Sea strategy, right? Which is dumb too because they're in the ocean.
1: Uh, apparently, it's over salinization. Yeah, I don't. But uh... I actually don't know like what uh, parts per million like salt in uh, salt water uh, mixture would be.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either, but. suffice it to say, enough salt to repel alien invaders, so congrats for science and (laughs) earth ingenuity and things like that. Of course, at one point where Lois is trying to figure out why Superman had not surfaced from the water in a while, she saw him and this chick being all cozy and assumed that they were, you know, going to get married because he had built her a sandcastle home and giant pearls and it was weird.
1: I mean, to be fair, that was also what Superman was trying to get the lady in question to think. It was a long con. It was. It's like a week-long con. So I'm going to come back to this later on, but we're going to see a lot of these, not just the long con on characters, but long cons on the readers, where the hook is
0: what's (laughs) going
1: on here, and it gets revealed in Act 3.
0: Yeah. Uh, Action Comics number 245, October 1958. Uh, Lois clumsy as she is, knocks over the bottle city of Candor and makes a minuscule crack in the casing, and out pops Zach Cool, who is the, uh, just a criminal, a Kryptonian criminal who escapes from jail because she does this, and he enlarges himself with some technology that he makes, and then changes his appearance to look like Superman, and we have that stupid... I'm not the fake Superman. He's the fake Superman moment where Lois shrinks the real Superman by accident. Zach Cool is now Superman. And he basically just, like, straight up lives Superman's life. Not in, like, a, I'm going to steal riches kind of a way, but just, like, I want to be popular. I want people to like me. I want to marry Lois Lane. And then, like, loses his cool when Lois says, like, tell me your secret identity. And, like, that, I guess, of all things, makes him. Uh, regret having done any of this and he
1: tries to kill Lois Lane <laughs> It's also, that's the point where it becomes clear he's not going to get away with this Right,
0: so he tries to kill Lois Lane to make it look like an accident and then uh, of course Superman has re-enlarged himself uh, while at Kandor and stops. It was a cool Superman number 125 November 1958. Lois dreams that she gets a uh, blood transfusion from Superman that gives her powers and turns her into Power Girl uh, which is hilarious because it's the that's first That's right, that is the Power name Girl. that she goes by, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's the, I forgot about that. It's the first appearance of Power Girl is a Lois Lane dream where she even puts on a blonde wig. Um, but then she, of course, gives a blood transfusion to Clark in this dream, and he becomes Power Man, uh, which is a Marvel character. <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah,
1: I mean, all just, right. It's yeah. just a
0: weird, yeah. It's it's just like Jimmy Olsen's dream about Superman being president
1: nonsensical weird and just oh okay also worth noting this is another uh kurt schaffenberger god i've already forgotten his name the artist that we have the the book right here i have the book right here i don't even have to look at my notes kurt schaffenberger uh the artist who i raved about last time this is another one of his uh stories and honestly the thing that i latch on to most first off like again art remains great the mustache that Clark wears John at, Waters
0: mustache. It's so good. It's so <laughs>
1: expressive. And it this whole time uh, Clark is being super timid uh, because that's Lois's perception of him. And it's just great because you've got like all like the cartoony poses of him, kind of scrunched in on himself, but with like the muscles and everything. It's, it's and, very... the, and then there's the dandyish mustache, and it's just perfect. It's incredible. It's extremely expressive.
0: Uh, yeah, it's, it's a whole lot to unpack when you look at it from afar.
1: Um, the, <laughs> oh, and the color choices are great. It's like mm-hmm. green and yellow. But seriously, the costumes are green and yellow. Oh, yeah. It's bizarre. Um,
0: the second story in this book is Clark uh, reminisces about his college days because he gets his 10th uh, 10-year anniversary or reunion or whatever letter in the mail. I just think about a story wherein uh, Professor almost guesses that he's Superboy when he's in college. The third story in this is Superman can project a mini-me that has has the same powers as Superman out to do all sorts of stuff. Uh, for him that's his new power I guess which he gets from being near a small ship that apparently housed small people and the explosion causes him to have this power it's very very stupid this is the dumbest story (laughs) this is the dumbest story we've encountered from Silver Age Superman it's just it's absolute bonkers like at least the Lois Lane and Jimmy Olsen dream stories were funny
1: this is just absolutely a waste of time I'll most uh, I'll agree with that I'll actually agree with that this is the one that feels the most like why did we do this And actually, I can point to exactly why. Because someone had the idea for the cover of... Hey, I have this new power and it's being shown off screen. And it's like, okay, let's string them along. And, well, we didn't actually come up with anything. That would be great. Uh, Okay, let's go with this.
0: Yeah, it it kind of just goes nowhere. It ends very abruptly. And it's just not satisfying as a story whatsoever. Yeah, Um, Action Comics number 246, November 1958... This is this is probably my favorite because the just the implications of this are so incredible. There's a guy running a Krypton themed neighborhood, okay? We're going to spend a lot of time on this because I have a lot of questions.
1: I'd almost go with like a burrow because yeah. it seems sizable.
0: Well, it's like an and island. It's got the resources. But it's an yeah. island though. So it's so he has an island where he has built what is essentially Tomorrowland at Disneyland, but Krypton-themed.
1: Ooh, wow. No, that's exactly it.
0: And said, come live here. A functioning, livable neighborhood that is Krypton-themed. And then people come to this island to live there, and then, of course, Superman shows up to be like, what are you doing? And they crown Superman King of New Krypton, and they have this weird sort of like carnival of nonsense where... Superman's displaying these powers that everyone obviously knows that he has, but he's just doing it for the sake of this guy who runs this Krypton thing. And it's very bizarre. It's very strange because the there is a there is a con here. So the guy who's running the neighborhood is trying to get Superman to come here to specifically during these festivals crush coal into diamonds that he then swaps out for glass diamonds to watch Superman then melt because they don't want to topple the diamond economy. And then he ships them away via rocket that is harmless, which then crash lands on the mainland that his smuggling buddies then get. They've got perfect diamonds they didn't have to pay for, and then they can sell them. That's the con. Now, there's a lot of extra steps to this con. (laughs) One of which is buying a fucking island that he then <laughs> builds a functioning economy on. And
1: where, that's what I'm wondering, whether it was actually cost efficient, whether that was whether that part of the endeavor was in the black. Right. And he he themes it and does a lot of research. That even Superman's
0: like, "Yep, that's the flag of Krypton. Yep, that's what this looks." And I'm like, "That's enough research that one. You have way more information about Krypton than presumably anyone in Metropolis does." And Gets a bunch of people to live there. Like, an, not an insubstantial amount of people. At least a theme park's worth of individuals that are living there, presumably paying taxes, and also uh, using all the facilities that are there, so you're paying the economy to have, like, your grocery or whatever, your, your electric grid. And this is all <laughs> centered <laughs> around this specific gag that happens in a once-a-month festival, but they hope... Superman will accommodate by showing up for. And that's what all of the centers are at. It is this inch, incredible amount of trapping to be for, like, the most basic con, which is, like, 15 diamonds a month. Like, I it's mean, like that, a handful. that's a lot. It's that's a, a lot. But, but, like, but, a, but a handful but of diamonds. But everything else there, yeah. It's not weekly. It's not daily. It's like, once a month, here's a handful of diamonds. Mm-hmm. And... No criminal can sustain what is effectively a city on a handful of diamonds a month. So that's why I wonder
1: whether it is <laughs> itself profitable. Because right. I, I actually i am thinking about this and what you have is, as unpleasant as this kind of is, Kryptonians are an exotic minority group that the ideas of can be exploited without it feeling as icky in the moment because hey it's just superman superman is the only one and if he's cool with it then everybody's cool with it see like you can have a lot of the experience life as a blank the uh Experienced tourism, I guess, is a way to put it. Like I yeah. think about the times, like people will pay money for those. Oh, let's go live uh, Victorian lives for a week, or if nothing else, they'll certainly do shows about it.
0: It's that, but your entire life. Yeah, and there's just so much there. Now, of course, Superman f- figures out that the plot is what it is. By you'll get you'll you'll love this. This is my favorite part. <laughs> the the rocket that he sends away to. Uh, land for his smuggling buddies to get is part of an act that they do once a month where they reenact Krypton's destruction and Lara and or Jor-El's saving of their son Kal-El. Now, if you don't understand what that means, what I'm saying is they have two people pretend to be Superman's parents, put a fake baby in a rocket, and then watch it fly away as a giant aluminum balloon of Krypton... Explodes. Yep, and they're showing this to Superman like, "Hey, isn't this cool?" And I can only imagine that this is the most traumatizing thing Superman has ever witnessed in his entire life, because that's the equivalent of somebody making a Batman theme park and then saying, "And here's Crime Alley where we shoot <laughs> your parents on the hour to reenact the instance that made you turn into a cri- to turn into a vigilante." I'm like, that can't be psychologically okay. Like, they're treating the most harrowing experience in his entire life, whether or not he remembers it, as a fucking theme park attraction. Yeah. It's it's bonkers. It's, yeah. And, of course, he's like, you just put a baby in a rocket. And and the guy goes, no, 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 it's cool, it's a fake baby. Look, use your x-ray vision to check. And, of course, he checks and goes, that's a fake baby. And when it lands,
1: that's just a sentence right there. That is just a sentence. Right yeah, that a a just a sentence.
0: <laughs> and when it lands, of course the, the the diamonds are in the lead baby because he can't X-ray vision through it, which is the entire that's thing. Right, yeah. But of course he figures it out and stops him. But it's just
1: question: what? Yeah. Why was the? Why would he not be suspicious about a lead baby? Why would he not be suspicious about literally any of this? Why is any of this not just like, you did what? Maybe it's for the exact reason that we're thinking of. He can't believe anyone would go to that many lengths to just, for this? Yeah, for for like
0: 15 diamonds a month? Like, even on the market, like the market value for these
1: can't be that good. I would bet. Like, maybe, maybe a mil a month. Maybe. Well, actually, this era, that's true. This era, I don't know. It's several
0: hundred thousand dollars. I'll go with that. At at, at best. Uh, Look, neither of us are diamond market connoisseurs and historians, but I can guarantee that a handful of diamonds is not going to float a fucking town.
1: Yep. (laughs) Like,
0: Like, the cost alone of, like, operating the ferry that takes people to and from this island and keeping it lit and keeping them in enough food to keep everyone alive is one is one of those diamond smuggling
1: operations. You know what would be an even smarter con? One that's actually completely above board. Do this but get Superman involved at the beginning. Yeah. Hey, we want to make a Kryptonian-themed neighborhood. We want to really, like, to honor to your culture. We want to bring it to life here. Sure. Can you help us build this on the cheap? Right. And can you imagine, like, the moment he, like, shows up, like, a week after release, and he just kind of looks around. Wait. Did they... Did the... He walks into the office. Did you guys just sell the place?
0: Yeah. It would be hilarious if they, like, sell it to him. Like, it's going to be one of those, like, uh medieval reenactment towns that people visit, like, (laughs) come look at life and whatever, Bill. And he's like, yeah, I'll help with that. That's super cool and educational and kind of respectful. And then he realizes, like, people are living there, and he's like, wait, hold on. Like, I thought this was, like, an educational facility. Like, you're selling that hut? There's nothing in there. We didn't put electrical routing in there. It's, It's four walls and a window.
1: Man, this is all kinds of fucked up. Yeah,
0: like, there's just, like, the guy made literally a neighborhood that people wanted to live in he's he he wins he's the most efficient criminal ever by not being a criminal by just being a real estate salesman like he's just literally the best real estate salesman who had the greatest idea ever which is let's let's build krypton on earth and people will pay for the for the experience of living in a town that's architecturally different from any other city in the world and it works how
1: was that not success Eddie. by any book? <laughs> and honestly, you could probably replicate once yes. or twice. Like you got <laughs> there's Disneyland Paris. I guarantee you can sell Krypton Paris. Yeah, but I'm just I'm sitting here going new new Krypton. Yeah, new 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 Krypton. New. It's like the Photoshop layer thing. Yeah. <laughs> final uh, final Krypton. No, seriously, final <laughs> Krypton. God damn it, final Krypton. New Newfoundland Krypton. <laughs> but it's like
0: no. this. Oh man, Newfoundland. Newfoundland, Newfoundland Krypton is probably be the amazing. best one. But, but I'm just laughing that that's like the biggest boondoggle ever. He had to, of course, go to a bank to be like, hey, I need uh, some capital to build an entire gated community on an island away from most other zoning laws that is themed as Superman's home planet. What bank didn't immediately just go, no... Are you kidding? Are you like That sounds like <laughs> the most bankable thing. Like,
1: for him specifically, that might be an issue. But if you have someone with, like, some some rep as, no, I, I have this history, I have to imagine any kind of bank is like, oh, oh, yeah, no, this is going to sell. But, but how much money is he asking for? That's the thing. It's like, what
0: bank is going to be like, how much money do you want to do what? It's the idea that you don't have... What is probably a half a billion dollars to build this place. I figured out. And no bank is ever going to give it to you.
1: Okay, it's not a bank. (laughs) Have you ever seen or read The Mouse That Roared? No. (laughs) The Mouse That Roared is a plot about a a, uh, play about a small central eastern European country that is very stereotypically like medieval, but. Or super, super backward, uh, not technologically advanced, except it's right after World War II. And the decision is, well, we're not doing great. The best way that we could modernize is to get a bunch of money by being threatened by the specter of communism and getting a large block grant from the U.S. to help rebuild. Fantastic. best way to do this, let's declare war on the U.S., lose, and then get a whole bunch of subsidies to avoid falling to communism. (laughs) so they invade the US they send one group of just hey here's like six people with longbows to show up in the US they walk up uh, led by someone who isn't in on the joke they capture a scientist who has invented the super nuke Nice. and then it's a nice little morality play of hey idiots stop having nuclear confrontation this is a really bad idea don't do this Uh, but also I like the idea that it's not actually on u.s territory it's set up on like an island maybe it's a like a uh sea land kind of situation right. where it's a microstate and it has the specter of communism can you imagine like new krypton before a bunch of people move in like they just kind of like get the basics of it like get the the shell structures and then someone waves the hammer and sickle and just <laughs> immediately the u.s is like no that's krypton that looks Superman-ish. No, here's money. No go right. away.
0: <laughs> I also just had a very scary thought that in-universe makes a lot of sense. So, do you remember, from the Golden Age, the island of Pasipo?
1: Yeah, The, um, the, 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 the sunken city that yeah, Lex Luthor yeah, yeah.
0: raises. What if Lex Luthor just rose it back and then sold the island to this guy? But the idea that Luthor... Just wants to mess with Superman. He's like, so here's the thing. Here's what you have to do. I'm going to give you literally as much money as you want to do this. All I want you to do is make Superman watch his parents send him away. <laughs> That's Luther's oh plan.
1: And what if this isn't just a one-time <laughs> thing? What if what if we have like a shark tank for fucking with Superman?
0: Yeah. And Luther's just got just a ton of ideas. And he's like, this is the least maniacal most benign way to mess with his head and i just every month you call him you make him show up to the carnival and then you make him watch as his parents jettison a fake baby into into nothingness and i want you to make him watch and the guy's like got it done like absolutely sir and then realizes I'm gonna do a diamond scheme in this. That's where that comes from. Because this is like a whole thing that this guy probably didn't care about. Mm -hmm. And he is kind of a reprobate. Like, they talk about him having an actual, like, criminal record. But it's like, that's how Luther finds him. Luther's like, how about I make you go straight? The guy can't help himself by making a diamond scheme. But Luther's entire, like, point behind this is, I want you to hurt him psychologically. And I'm just like, oh, "Oh, God. Oh, yeah, okay, I like this idea. That is the darkest timeline version of this. It's it's literally just to make you cry every month.
1: Emotionally abusive Luther is simultaneously, like, really funny, and also, wow, wow, going for the kidneys.
0: (laughs) It's not good. Uh, the last the last book, Action Comics, number 247, December 1958. This is stupid as hell. Two criminals pretend to be the Kents to blackmail Superman for money to keep his identity secret. So they show up in what is the sphere from the Terminator movies that just doesn't disappear. Huh. Um, yeah, okay. it's like this, yeah. It's a yeah. spherical bubble thing and they look like John and Martha Kent apparently in the Silver Age they have died and that is what instigates Superman moving to Metropolis and they pretend that they have been given a time machine by a friend of theirs that allows them to go to the future so they can see him in the future. They have a nice meal and evening while they're doing this they're basically getting proof that he is in fact Clark and Superman. The whole long and short of this is, is, it's a blackmail scheme that these people have worked out, that they found out that Superman and Clark Kent are the same person, they just did this to confirm it, P.S. they're the only two fucking people on the planet who figured this out, and they're the best at it, apparently. And when Superman realizes what's going on, he sends two robots that look like John and Martha Kent To hypnotize the two criminals into forgetting that he is Clark Kent. And that's the end of the story. It Mm. is the weirdest thing. And it was just, after Krypton Island, I was just like, what? Well, I mean, it was a... It it makes sense in Silver Mm. Age. It's just, it's weird. It's a weird, weird story. (laughs) because it, it brings up the idea that the the superman the superman
1: lie is very thin if two random thieves can figure it out there is that it there aren't a lot of things crossing directly between superboy and superman stories or not stories but continuity I guess there are a lot of things that will show up in one and then show up in another but not the same versions. Like it seems Correct. like there will be kid Bizarro and adult Bizarro. I read something of that effect. Like forms of Kryptonite will cross between, but it's not like there's a whole bunch of characters going between.
0: Correct. So that's the end of our summary. Um, boy, howdy, it's a <laughs> lot. There was a that got darker the more we, we, we went into
1: it. But do you have any notes for this? I do. They're not as deep as the stuff that i've talked about in the in the last episode or more generally some of the silver age stuff and i think part I mean, part of that is like we talked about these are solid stories they're not amazing there's there's no one thing that kind of reaches out its hooks and just kind of grabs me like the example we always go back to is the romance comic comic style of early green lantern but these are good stories and actually one thing i noticed was i wound up reading but also like skimming and mid reading uh i think eight months worth of superman comics all told Mm. uh after the stuff that we've covered and they're not bad they none there were a couple in there it's like all right well i'm not as much a fan of this particular one's tone but nothing that was ever like eh. just kind of all right i can keep going through this uh and never got bored What I want to go into a little bit is why one factor that I think really plays into that. Uh, Specifically, we actually have a bunch of different types of stories here. And I wound up going through uh, and breaking them into what kind of stories they were. Um, So this is specifically, I looked at the eight issues of Superman after what we covered. Uh, So I'm not including any of the stuff that we covered this time. And there were six types of stories that actually had really equal rep and distribution. Uh, Superman outsmarts someone. Superman protects his identity. An untold story from the past. What if, which includes uh, temporary status quo changes. It also includes just straight up what if this. And then what's the secret, specifically a secret that's being kept from the reader. And then other stories. And each of those had either three or four stories in that chunk that I looked at. So first off, that's interesting right there. Yeah. Like, I was really expecting there to be like heavily weighted towards one kind of story. Like We kind of talked last time uh, when I was talking about Electrum stories versus Silver stories. Like the what if element of, oh, what if this thing gets introduced and then taken away by the end of the story. Kind of expected that to be more represented here, but it's really pretty even across the board. Uh, Of course, this does assume that these are valid divisions uh, because you could, if you felt that what if was a little too broad of a category, you could split it into uh, the temporary status changes and have that be separate from the actual what if scenarios. But the reason that I think these are a valid way of looking at these, these categorizations make sense, is because they're each delivering a bit of a different reason for reading that issue. It's not just that they're different kinds of stories. It's that they're actually f- fulfilling a different storytelling need. Uh, so Superman outsmarts someone? Cleverness. Let's see the ways that Superman is clever and the writing gets to be clever. Right. Uh, like we talked about... Uh, what was one of the examples? Um, oh,
0: his uh, the college
1: professor. He's basically one yeah, 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 yeah. his college professor to try and get him to not believe that he's Superboy. Mm-hmm. That uh, later on, there's a situation where a crook gets him to agree to give him uh, six wishes, and he basically monkey's paws them all. Yeah, which is awesome. It's actually really monkeys great. Monkey's <laughs> uh, So, creative uh, ways of using powers or outsmarting people. It's a very Aquaman kind of thing. (laughs) Uh, And then... Not a a sentence I thought I'd ever hear.
0: It's a very Aquaman thing.
1: (laughs) Uh, You also have Superman protects his identity, which actually falls pretty similarly. Like, okay, what are creative ways of him getting around this? Uh, I think the other tangent, one of the other things that's interesting about that is that it really is... Written like his identity is a weakness, in the same way that Kryptonite is. Here's a plot element that we can introduce that really makes him not feel as infallible.
0: He, he, and the new boys tend to do that a lot. The uh, uh, Green Lantern and and Flash. Mm -hmm. That's that sounds like a boy band. He and the new boys. (laughs) Superman and the new boys. (laughs) Superman and the new boys. I want that on a shirt. Oh man. Oh boy. Yeah. Boy fans aside, anyway.
1: Um, <laughs> uh, what else? Um, so untold stories, like we get the college story. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there' are a decent number of those stories, and they've those fit into the oh the the part the miss Here's some of the history, of the character, uh, that kind of interesting wiki kind of feel to it. Right. Uh, you get the what if stories, and those are like oh the 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 thrill of pressing against the status quo the the experimentalism I guess Lois um,
0: with superpowers yep. him him exposing his identity to her her marrying Superman when it's actually the the fake Superman kind of a thing
1: mm-hmm. there is a thrill that is interesting to read when the expectations are subverted uh, and then what's the secret mysteries are compelling and a lot of these like the uh, the one of Superman, uh, conning the underwater aliens. Like, they don't reveal the that Superman is actually, like, conning them until the last, like, couple pages. It's very much an Act 3 reveal. Yeah. You're hooked to read that story is, what's going on What the here? hell?
0: Why is he keep doing this? What's going on?
1: Exactly that. Uh, actually, last episode, the one of, how is Superman being controlled by these aliens from the future? Or more accurately, what's sending him into space or, or like, the
0: uh, the black knight gambit
1: yeah exactly it's that a, it's a perfect exactly example that. of that. Yeah. yeah it's interesting how there are these different kinds of stories even though there's a whole lot of repetition of each of these types of stories we've got six or five types of stories and then a category of other so it's switching between them often enough that it doesn't feel repetition. I feel like that's what we have to call that from now on, is when
0: when the the writing basically is setting up a mystery that all the characters but the reader know to then be revealed in the third act, I think we're going to re- just refer to that from now on as Black Knight Gambit.
1: I do like that. That uh, works pretty well. Yeah. But yeah, so that was, for me, that was a useful tool of being able to look at these stories because... It interested me that so many... There were these different types, but they were repetitive. Like, they, they were absolutely a script that these stories followed. Whereas the, the, the more what I think of as Silver Age, that specific, the new boys... Yeah. It does feel like those stories, at least on a surface level, feel more new. Right. I kind of want to go back and take a look at whether that's actually the case... But it feels like what's driving those stories is maybe even more consistent. Instead of having these different types of stories being rolled out, that they are more consistently explorations of existing themes, I guess? And I think that might just be
0: because we're at this point we've had 20 years of Superman. Yeah. And those guys are so new that we can kind of really delve into a consistent... Uh, continuity of stories about them. As opposed to Superman, it's like, how much
1: more are we going to do if we're not going to actually innovate on the character? Let's see. What else do I have on my list? Because I do have some other things. Uh, interesting note, uh, Adam Strange and Ran are coming out at this time.
0: oh uh, I want to read some Adam Strange. He's cool.
1: I, th- I think it's Strange Adventures in Space is the comic. I saw okay. an advert in one of them. Cool. Uh, let's see. What else? I have a... Uh, relatively short list of things that bugged me okay all right uh we talked about lois dropping candor yeah i mean oops yeah clumsy clumsy hippos yeah i almost just killed
0: superman's only connection to his home race even aside from that, it's a city <laughs> full, it's a bottle full of people. She knew what it was, too. That's yep. the kicker. Nope. She, she sees it and goes, that must be that thing, and then picks it up yep. like it's a fucking, like, snow globe. Yeah, Like, put it down! There's people doing, they're alive, man! Like, and, it's like lifting a fishbowl, stop
1: it! And that's my issue, is it is writers portraying her as the bumbler who causes the problem. I and, yeah.
0: Oh, God, I hate to say it. I really, really hate to say it. I miss Golden Age Lois.
1: I, I do really want to dig into uh, Lois Lane, Superman's girlfriend, specifically because there are some stories in here where it feels like she's got the sass uh, that we kind of see. So, so there are moments where we get a better version of Golden Age Lois, I'd say, with the same level of with at least some of the same claws and intelligence but yeah it's a very hit or miss situation with writers portraying her one way or another way yeah and it's a huge disappointment when they portray her like oh i picked up a city and i dropped it
0: oops <laughs> almost killed people oh man. stop it what a are lot you doing? of
1: people a lot of people too hundreds of thousands possibly another bit uh There's a particular panel where uh, the king of New Krypton is like (laughs) saying, yeah, we don't have any crime here because we get everyone fingerprinted when they come into New Krypton, uh, specifically whenever they're going to sign up for residency. It's like...
0: That's not how that works. That's not how that works. That's not how crime works. Sir. And it's
1: specifically teaching a bad idea God of what it. crime is. And I don't like that. I Wait. don't like that.
0: Well, yep. They've got my fingerprint. No use in doing crime now. What?
1: Like, <laughs> <laughs> Even aside from that, it's that idea that no one becomes a criminal. It's that people are just criminals or they aren't. Right.
0: But I was just like, I saw your post about that. I was like, that's stupid. That's just like, that's not how that works. Yep. It's that It's, that, yep. uh, it's that gif that's not how that works that's not how any of this works
1: (laughs) uh also uh content warning for a moment uh i'm going to use a a slur because they use it here uh reminder don't use the word midget
0: yeah i purposely avoided that term when i was talking about these small people spaceship that gives superman his mini me power um because they say that word like 10 15 times in that issue And i was like stop it Yep. like I was literally like viscerally uncomfortable with that and I was just like
1: no no yeah. and, <laughs> and I I would kind of be curious to know actually I would be curious to see what happens with that word in the future because to use a different parallel so we're of a generation where the word queer has been largely reclaimed right and it's interesting on a as a spectator I guess uh, which is kind of A fucked up way to find something interesting but uh, my my grandma is of a generation where that wasn't the case and she is she has mentioned yeah it's kind of weird that people say that word because that was something that she felt very strongly about not calling people because it meant something different so I don't think this is an instance of linguistic drift my guess is that uh, in this case uh, that little people have Always considered the M word a slur, but I will be kind of interested to see whether that continues to be the case going forward. I honestly like I don't know uh, identity politics discourse around uh, the experiences of little people Uh, and that is a gap in our knowledge. So one way or another. uh, Yeah, don't don't use that word.
0: I'm actually us if you actually have some information about that that you wish to share. Yep. So we can learn.
1: Uh, one last thing that bugged me, uh, anytime Superman needs to pay off debts, he goes somewhere and he finds lost treasures. Yeah, how much lost treasure is in the ocean? Oh, here's the other side, though. Anytime someone uses superpowers to create value, though, like, with the diamonds, or when, uh, Mr. Mixelspit, uh, uses magic to create dollar bill trees... (laughs) He ha- he destroys them. This bugs me because it would be really interesting to make a statement on whether and how Superman gets involved economically. But the writers' stance is that it's not consistent. It's well, I can't just create. Uh, I can't create diamonds to get myself out of debt. But I can. Uh, I can but discover. I can discover treasure or, and this is one that's more annoying later on. Uh, Go to a bunch of lost, not lost, but undiscovered, like, native temples, uh, uh, a lost pyramid, and just ransack the place. It's like, "Um, nah, nah." He, he, He
0: refuses to allow the addition of wealth to the planet, but does not exclude using what is currently there on the planet or has been lost to pay off debts that, one, are not his, and two, not his to pay off. It bugs me, it bugs me a lot. <laughs> so much so that when Lois has her dream about being Power Girl, she, she chides super-powered Clark for trying to rebuild a home that he knocks down, and by saying, just find some sunken treasure to pay it back with, and I'm like, how much sunken treasure is on this planet that Superman hasn't already paid other people with?
1: It's the frequency that's the issue for yeah. me.
0: Those, those poor, like, pawnbrokers must have, like, legit, actual, ancient, like, Egyptian treasures that Superman has given to someone to help them pay off something. And he's just like, look, I got 19 sarcophagi in here. What do you got? And they're like, well, I got gold coins. He's like, me too. Look how many I have. Why don't you come back when you've got, like, a guitar that, like, Bo Diddley played with? And then we'll talk. And then the guy's like, well, I don't have that. And he goes, well, then I guess you can't get any money because I'm not buying any more ancient treasures as Superman has paid you with yep. I have too many of them sir the issue is
1: that the local market's flooded so you get out of towners who come in and it's like <laughs> antique roadshow show week yes.
0: I want to buy a sarcophagi that Superman paid off the orphanage with I've got six which one do you want what do you mean you have six I have six what don't you get about that concept <laughs> there Look were at six these. orphanages <laughs> there was a lot of destroyed orphanages Lex Luthor had a busy week pick <laughs> one
1: alright I have a couple bits of reflections, and then I think that'll be about it other than reflect uh, recommendations mm-hmm. for me. Okay. So, first off, uh, someone brought up, this might have been Twitter or something, I honestly don't remember where or who, uh, but someone brought up that for parents of superheroes, uh, the father almost always gets more characterization than the mother. And that, first off, like, yeah, that's another pitfall we should be careful of when we're trying to be more equal gender-wise. Uh, and i think specifically like uh mothers th- their characterization tends to be like the saintly mother yeah that, that just kind of is as far as it goes and there aren't a lot of like there's also not a lot of backstory given to them like uh one of the, the i think the specific example was uh comparing martha wayne and god i'm awful I can't remember Bruce's dad's name. Thomas. Thomas. God, okay, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. But yeah, like, we we get a lot of, oh, Thomas Wayne was involved. First off, okay, like, he was heavily involved in charity. He was the doctor. Uh, He was involved with, I don't remember his name, who wound up being Hush. All that good stuff. Right. First off, yeah, okay, Martha Wayne gets short shrift. Second off, this is an interesting perspective to look at our past episodes with because it kind of explains why we latched on so much to the idea of Martha Wayne as an Arkham when we looked at the Elseworlds, uh, no, Batman, or the Earth-1, yeah. Earth right?
0: Yeah, Batman Earth-1. Yeah, uh, it's... Because now I think she's a Kane. That's, uh, okay, that's the connection yeah, between, yeah, between him sense. and Batwoman is that she's she's a cane, and that helps him become Batwoman's cousin. But that that's fine, too, because... Mm-hmm. She gets more play now than uh, his dad.
1: Interesting. Okay. At least from
0: the Detective Comics that I'm reading mm-hmm. now, uh, in Rebirth, there's a lot more conversations about Martha and there are Thomas. Huh. Because okay,
1: I'm gonna throw a curveball. Yeah, and it's a dumb curveball. But first off, hey, that, that's a good thing. Yeah. Second off, how much of that do you think is driven by the Martha line in Justice League?
0: Uh, just, or, just kind or, of you, or Batman that versus Superman. Oh, I don't yeah. know. Um. Just I'm that... sure part of that's a joke but and a, and a meme, but at the same time, if you're going to do these two characters and have them be related, talking about the common thread gene- genealogically matters, especially yeah. when her dad is the brother to his mother.
1: Okay, yeah, so, that is pretty direct. I don't know enough about... Uh, I mean, now I'm actually literally trying to remember Batwoman's, uh, like, first name and... Kate? King uh, King. that's right. Yep. Yeah, that's the thing, is my... My Batman era is early 2000s, late 90s, so it's interesting. Like, there's, there's a lot there that I can catch up on. Uh, here's an interesting thought. So, Superman falls for the fake Kents, who we talked about uh, yeah. being fake time travelers. Part of the reason that this felt believable to me is because there's just so much other crazy shit going on. Right. We, when you're in an era of just weird shit happening, it's. The gullibility is believable. So, that got me thinking about how superheroes in general, even outside this specific era, are more prepared to believe outlandish revelations. Next step from that, what if someone actually used this gullibility for, like, therapeutic purposes? Mm. Uh, Hey, the Waynes left a letter that we never discovered until now, telling Bruce to grow up happy and take some time for himself. Ooh, mean. Well, (laughs) okay, That's the next step. So first off, is if you actually were like, hey, this is a thing that would really help you. Mm -hmm. And then you get into questions of whether someone consents to be fixed in that way. Remember everybody,
0: Jeff Goldblum. You're so focused on whether or not you could, you didn't think about whether or not you should
1: which brings it to the next step. What if someone weaponized that? Ooh. What if like so Batman has the plan to kill everyone in the Justice League if they go rogue, what if Oracle or Nightwing have like the soft power version of that? Like they have the letter ready just in case, "No, we're not going to take we're not going to take Bruce out to a farm. We're going to give him a letter and then he's just going to be happier and go buy a farm." Can you imagine crafting the letter or whatever little thing, whatever little revelation would sideline a character in a positive way. Just if part of the thesis of superheroes is that they are, uh, obsessive, megalomaniacal, uh, or have something to prove a la Watchmen, which obviously not all characters are, but for those that are, could you like soft power them out? It's possible. Uh, one last bit. And this one I don't have terribly well thought out, but I want to talk about it anyways. Uh, specifically in regards to... The, the thing that brought it up was the Supergirl the Supergirl uh, st- story before, from The Wishes, and the uh, summoning uh, tiny versions of himself uh, during this episode. There was a line at the end of the, the one where he has the new power where he talks about the little version of himself, like... Sacrificed itself to protect him. Right. And there was a line of, was, <laughs> was he, was he, was that a decision that the little version made? Or
0: did he tell the, it to do that?
1: Yeah. Did, yeah. One of those, like, did it have free will? And that fucked me up proper in the head. It was messed up that it was, tr- to me, that it was treated as a sacrifice, but also, was this, was it really a sacrifice? Yeah. Uh, this is a, philosophical stance that i am going to put forward on what is right and what is wrong i am pretty firmly of the opinion that if there's an alternate version of something or it could be viewed as sentient and separate just make that assumption uh the other like examples that come to mind uh if there's a clone being introduced in a story, if there's an alien race introduced in a story, a mirror universe duplicate, right? Uh, things like that don't treat them as different than a quote-unquote normal character. Because yeah. there are, like, Candor. Candor is a great example. Hey, we introduced a whole city, and because they're new to this story, it's fine for them to stay small, when Superman could have saved them, or could have been allowed to save them. Because it is worth noting, like one of the Kandorians uh, chose for them to stay small so that Superman could get large uh, again. But fundamentally, as a writer, to me, that reads as essentially fridging the Kandorians because it's, hey, this is a new, non-recurring set of characters. They don't count.
0: There also is the implication that Canwar provides being large again, that that's an entire town full of Supermans. There is that as and well. That's the thing is there like, is that as well. I don't well. think it has anything to do with treating them not as normal. It's that's a can of worms. I don't think those guys are ready to deal with, and that they took, they picked the safe way out. Yes, by having a character say, "We're cool at this size. It's no problem. Just be okay." But I wouldn't want to deal with that. As, as a writer, thinking about how to deal with the fact that there is now an entire city of, I don't know, hundreds, possibly thousands of, of Supermans. How does that not turn problematic for the world? And how do you not forever just deal with that all the time?
1: So, it feels like there are a couple sci-fi tropes, uh, or mechanisms, that create versions of characters that people feel free to treat as though they don't count. AIs are an example. Clones are an example. Uh, Newly introduced alien races are an example. It's not that I have a problem with bad things happening to them. It's like audiences are okay treating them as though they don't count. Other examples, Candor, the one sentient robot in Green Lantern. The fact that he was a robot and had just been granted sentience meant that he didn't count as much. Right. And I'll give another more real world issue... I have a huge issue with people who uh, shit-talk or sexually harass AIs. Specifically, like, the people who ask unpleasant things of Cortana, Siri, Alexa. And I also have issues with the people who, like, kind of joke, hey, we treat AIs well because the robots will remember the ones who are kind to them. Like, they're, I, I fully understand. These are not sentient individuals. Cortana, in the, like, uh, OS form is not a sentient individual. Of course. But they are still... Human presenting is a word, that, or sentient presenting is a word that I'll use, and it's not quite right, because there's a whole mess of connotations there, but it feels to me like we we cheapen things that occasionally appear sentient. Like, there are times where we delude ourselves, where for a moment we don't remember that these... Uh, AI interfaces are not sentient are not other people uh, they do a very good job of present of appearing sentient in some cases and I think it cheapens beings to say oh this thing that occasionally feels human is less doesn't count and I think that's a thing that will come back to bite humanity if we don't stomp out those issues because that also leads into... Uh, Issues of dehumanizing and othering in general and the fact that that writers feel like Or more accurately that audiences will say well It was it was an alternate earth that got blown up like we don't we don't expect the characters to be as traumatized as if An actual earth was blown up to give a more positive example of a series that I think does this written does handle this well First off anything that like treats oh, I saw my alternate version get killed like defending me. Okay, let's like, let's actually grapple with that, because that's some serious shit. Uh, anything that does that, I'm super on board for. The other example is a webcomic that I've been reading for, I think, almost 20 years now. El Guna Shiv. There's a whole lot of uh, genderbender uh, transformation rays kind of stuff, and it, it, that is one of its shtick, is transformation kinds of stuff. At one point, a main character gets one of the main characters gets uh, turned into a girl. Uh, the transformation ray is busted. Finds a thing that it turns out instead of like uh, transforming him back, uh, splits off the female form, and there are there is now Ellen and Elliot. And the series, to its eternal credit, she is a main character now. It's like it's not. Oh, you're the duplicate. Like, they grapple for a little bit of, oh, I'm just the duplicate. But there is a point at which, okay, you've worked through your initial issues of not feeling like a person. The story treats her as a full person.
0: And I think that works when that's what the story is about. There is that. Because that's the thing is that when you get into those instances where, oh, it was just the alternate Earth that blew up. If it doesn't serve as the story, yeah, I can, I'm okay with people going like, well, it was the alternate Earth. If the char- if the main character grapples with it psychologically, that's fine, but blowing up an alternate Earth, it's part of the plot. If the, if the story isn't about them, then they're secondary.
1: Fully agree on that. It feels like sci-fi specifically has certain categories of Characters, alternate new versions of things where the expectation is that, oh, this isn't just a secondary character, it's a disposable character. Right. Uh, as in the case of well, this uh, this particular, like, oh, I, here's the little version of myself. trying. Like, so the comic simultaneously does a little bit of honoring his sacrifice, but also, was he really a person? It's a poorly constructed story in general. It's weird. But then at the end, they try to pull, uh, Superman pulls the, well, he sacrificed himself for me, but was he really part of me? It's like, I kind of want, I wanted the writers to take a stand, a stance there and say, I would have been fine if they said, no, he wasn't. Uh, Or if they, or if he had been like the whole way through, like thinking no, and then like somehow it goes rogue at the last minute and it shows its own sentience and, sacrifices itself like as a last minute oh i thought he wasn't but he totally was a person and now he died and that's sad right but instead it felt like the writers were trying to have it both ways where here is something that we are going to treat as disposable but also make you feel bad as though it was a sentient individual
0: if you want a good example of this watch the first blade runner that's what the entire movie is about is robots yeah. who claim sentience and their disposable nature in a galaxy that uses them to fight wars and do manual labor.
1: Yeah, I need to rewatch that. Yeah, it's a good movie. All right, quick recommendations and then done. We're actually recording this quicker on the heels of the previous one than we usually have. Yeah, uh, we did. Uh, normally we take two weeks between recordings. This particular time we uh, we were a little bit off schedule because of uh, the holidays, so we wound up doing one in the one.
0: Yeah, we're a little we're a little backed up, but uh I I haven't really read a lot. Um let's see, I'm trying to think of
1: I'll recommend the same uh webcomic that I talked about earlier, Elguna Uh it's a weird spelling, but S H I V E uh com. It's a whole lot. <laughs> it's it is very squarely like the Okay, this is mm, Young Justice E, in the sense that it's, like, it's written by somebody who is, I'm, I'm sure, about the same age as we are, uh, or more accurately, probably the same age as I am, uh, but still, like, age-appropriate. You could hand this to a teenager. Uh, it's PG-13 style. It It is very clearly, a, a lot of it is a story of identity and people figuring themselves out. There are a whole lot of gender and sexual identity discussions and it's really strange to see that play out against the background of transformation rays and anime tropes of, Oh, I mean, a lot of it is clearly inspired by Ranma.
0: Right.
1: Uh, and it's really interesting to see like the evolution of real genuine character and identity discussions from what probably started as this guy somewhat exploring interesting fetishes to him and it turned out really well Mm. and really good characters and it's been going on for 16 years like i said so there's a good amount of soap opera there's a good lot amount of plot threads developing slowly over time like i think they just had one that paid out after like 10 years of slow build-up uh so yeah but also it, it is simultaneously really interesting and really interesting
0: Nice. I think that's going to do it for us for this episode. We are going to move on to probably world's finest. Woo! Get some Batman and Superman to see what Batman's like in this uh, time period, and then we'll catch up with you after we do that reading. Uh, hopefully, you are enjoying the podcast. Let us know if you have any questions, and we will see you all next time. DC Detectives can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes. To stay in the know, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and DC dcdetectivespodcast.com.
1: New Krypton was... unexpected. We were worried about the Blue Boy Scout with all the callbacks to his traumatic history, but the only thing that mattered to him was catching the crooks. Afterwards, we mentioned that we'd be heading for Gotham, and he offered to join us. He and Batman had started teaming up, and, well, if the world's finest were working together, then maybe the Justice League wasn't far behind.